And that's how we progress in life and get past regrets is by becoming something so amazing that we are grateful for those difficult circumstances, right? We're grateful for those experiences because it made us who we are today. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou, and boy, do we have an amazing guest lined up for you today. Today's guest is a dear friend and collaborator of one of my favorite people on the planet. This man, along with my friend, Ryan Mickler, these two help run the most important movement out there to help elevate men and masculinity throughout the world. He is a key, key part of helping make that movement a success. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the one, the only, the legendary Kip Sorensen. Welcome to the show, Kip. Nikki, it's an honor. I'm glad to be here, man. Man, it's an honor to have you on. I'm really excited that we're having this conversation finally, brother. So, Kip, um, you and I, were getting to know each other a little bit, which is fabulous. My listener has heard Ryan on the show a couple times, but they may not know who you are. And one of the reasons that they listen to this show is because they want to learn from you. They're all entrepreneurs, and they're all people like me who believe in the values of freedom, free expression, and free enterprise. And they want to learn from you how to be the best version of themselves in their life and in their business. But before they can truly do that, they need to get to know you. So tell us your backstory. How'd you get to be the great Kip Sorensen? <laughs> well, first off, let me just say, Nikki, that, that intro really hits home because if you don't mind me just segueing just real, real briefly, the, and we were talking about this before we hit record, the impact is huge. And, and, and the way you did that intro reminds me how critical it is that, that not only what we're doing with order of man and the iron council, but how critical is that all of us show up in a way that we leave a lasting impact in the people's lives that, that we're here to serve, whether it's our families and our communities. And so thank you for that intro, because as much as I felt like weight <laughs> added to my shoulders, I'm like, you know what, but, but the game is serious. It's a serious game and the stakes are high and, and we need to see them as high and we need to get present to our impact on the world and those in our care. And so, so thanks for the intro. So you bet, brother. All right. So Kip Sorensen, who, who am I, right? So, um, so I, I, I help, I, I'm part of one of the podcast contributors for the Order of Man podcast with Ryan Mickler, the, the founder of Order of Man. And we help run an exclusive brotherhood called the Iron Council. And if you want to put a, a, a wrapping paper on it, ultimately, it is an organization um, that takes men that are sitting on the court watching life go by and getting them on the court. Stop from being a spectator, getting on the court and start playing and, and come to the realization not only of the stakes, but their role and the role that they should be playing in society and within their families. And so I, I help Mr. Mickler in that space. And I'm actually an entrepreneur as well. Um, I started my own consulting business roughly about 
15 years ago. Cool. Had huge success. I loved it. I kind of work for the man now, so I feel a little bit of a poser actually even bringing that up, but ended up merging and selling my company uh, with another consulting firm, and and now I help lead that consulting firm moving forward. So glad to be here. And, and Nikki, you don't know this about me, but one of the things in your interview with Mr. Mickler a few weeks ago um, around your story of your divorce very much resonated with me. Um, I actually have a very similar story and my divorce ended up being one of the most profound experiences in my life and really put me onto the path of becoming a better man. Um, was it miserable? Oh, yes, it was. It was the darkest time of my life, but it was something that really projected me uh, in a really positive direction and, and, and I've, I haven't looked back since. Amen, man. Amen. Uh, good to hear that. Well, listen, tell me that story. Tell me a little bit about all of it. Tell me about how you got into business for yourself. Tell me about what kind of consulting you did. Tell me about what happened that led to your divorce. Let's get into it. Yeah, yeah, might as well. Let's do it. So the the key thing was, and I think I was, and, and I don't want to mean to stereotype, but I, but based upon my experience within the Iron Council and working with men, like this is pretty common. And I, 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 you know, graduated high school, went to college, met my wife or my ex-wife and, uh, we kicked it off and started having a little family. And, and my focus at the time was all about, you know, graduating college. I was just like, graduate college, graduate college, got out of college. And I remember <laughs> a, a pivotal moment for me was, I remember I was living in Phoenix at the time and I was, I was at seventh street and it was the 7th Street and Thunderbird for those that are in Phoenix. And I was turning left at the light, getting my way to the office. And I was excited, Nikki. I was excited about getting to the office. And I was excited because there's a girl at the office that was like giving me attention. And I was like, man, you know, and it, and it stroked my ego and made me feel good. And as, as I was sitting at that light, it dawned on me. I'm like, this is so messed up, right? Like I shouldn't be excited about leaving my wife and kids at home and going to the office because I'm getting attention from another woman. And, and I thought, you know what, this, this isn't how it should be. And so, uh, me being the brilliant individual I was, and we can talk about the power of communication and integrity at one point as well. But I went back to my house that night. I think it was that night or at least within a couple of days. And I had this brilliant idea that I was going to express this to my wife. And I was going to tell her how excited I was to see this other girl at the office and, and nothing, nothing inappropriate happening, but you know, like what? No, I, let me take that back. Inappropriate, right? As inappropriate flirting and, and getting attention from another female, right? Like not good. Right. And, and I had this brilliant idea that I was going to come home. I was going to tell my wife this. And my expectation was she was going to go, Oh, honey, I'm so sorry. What can I do to become a better wife? Because of course, what was my perception? Well, I felt this way because my wife needed to level up, right? It, it couldn't possibly be me, right? I wasn't doing totally. anything wrong. You know, I, I was being me. I had zero ownership in regards to the lack of love and affection and, and connection in my marriage. And I honestly, as, as naive as it sounds, I honestly thought that she would be like, oh, let me change. Let me fix this because I'm the problem. 
And of course, we can all guess that that didn't work. <laughs> didn't work too good. <laughs> and that didn't happen. Yeah, no, it didn't happen at all. It was, are you kidding me? Right. And, and from her perspective, you know, I, I'm having an emotional relationship with another woman. I'm cheating on her. I'm thinking about being with someone else, not her. I don't love her. I love someone else. Like, and, and this is not truth, but this was her perception, her reality. And, and more or less to use a weak analogy, I opened the door and, uh, and she swung it open and ran Wow! and, and ultimately ended up getting divorced. And ironically enough, that entire process, I couldn't understand it. Wow. How could she not want to change? <laughs> how, how could she not love me enough to be a different person? You know, like, and I, I was missing the boat, man. I was, I was so off target that it was ridiculous. And, and, but it was devastating. It was devastating. I, my kids, my, she moved out, took the kids with her. My, I had two young boys at the time and it was tearing me apart, but tearing me apart from the space of being a victim. Why me? Woe is me. I was feeling so sorry for myself. I, I roughly had like almost a one-year-old and a three-year-old. Oh, wow. And I was saying goodbye to them. Why isn't daddy coming, right? They're not even old enough to have this conversation, right? I remember my second youngest, Ian, uh, second oldest, he had these two cats, these stuffed animal cats, and one was skinnier and the other one was fat because it was newer. And he called those cats mommy cat and daddy cat. And I remember one night, he's getting ready to leave and he gives me that daddy cat. He says, no, 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 daddy cat doesn't come. Daddy cat stays here. And it just ripped my heart apart. And I was just like, man, like, how do I deal with this? And so <laughs> I started running. I didn't even know what to do. Like, I, I, I hate running and I started running all the time. And I'd run and I'd run, I'd cry. I'd tell, tell my sob story. Oh, woe was me. I was, I was perfect and I don't deserve this. And, you know, my upbringing and, you know, I'd roll in my parents and all kinds of like, you know, sob story that I've always held on to that we all kind of have a tendency to hold on to. And I'd run and cry and feel sorry for myself. And one night, it was probably like 2 a.m. in the morning. I'm out in the middle of nowhere uh, in Arizona, just running and running and running. And, and it's almost like someone came out of the dark and just slapped me up the side of the head and said, you fool, this is your fault. Hmm. And it was a bad joke. And, I, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I thought, holy crap, I created this. This was my creation. And, um, and that was, that was the switch for me. And then I really got on this path of like, holy crap, like I need to be complete in this relationship with her, whether it's going to put our family back together or not, I need to be complete with her. And, and I really focused on being complete. I and focused on in restoring my integrity. I got really present to how often I was out of integrity constantly. And integrity is such a, like a powerful conversation for me. Like I really, I, I latch onto that concept so much because it's at the center of where I was failing as a husband. And, and I, I attempted to hold Mary. It, it didn't work, unfortunately. Um, but one thing that, that you said on a previous podcast 
uh, that really resonated with me, Nikki, because you and I are, are very, we're cut from the same cloth from this perspective. If, if you ask me today if I should have gotten divorced, the answer is no. I shouldn't have. I should have been in a better position. Now, am I happily married now? I am. I love my wife. But both of us will admit the, the payoff, the cost of those divorces never go away. They don't. They never go away. We live with them now. Those two boys are out of the house, right? One's in his junior year in college. The other one's, you know, kind of just barely got out of high school. Like all intents and purposes on paper, you would assume that it doesn't matter. Hell yeah, it matters. Big time. And, and the cost of that divorce still hasn't shown up. It's going to show up when, when my boys are in a committed relationship and for some odd reason, they struggle with it that they struggle with commitment. They struggle with these other things. That's when it's going to start showing up. Or let me take that back. It's been showing up already and it will continue to show up and the cost of that divorce will continue to show up in their lives. And I have to live with that. Yeah, man, I, 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 feel, I, feel, I feel your pain. I don't want to sound like Bill Clinton in the 90s, but I feel your pain. Yeah. Well, and, 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 and Nick, if you don't mind me adding to this really quick, because I want to be really clear um, there's pain there, but there's power. And, and, and I don't share this story and, and I'm sure Nikki, you don't share your story because we want people to feel sorry for us. Cause here's, here's the irony. Here's the dichotomy. Worst thing that's ever happened in my life was getting divorced. Guess what the best thing was? Same thing. Getting divorced. Yeah. And, and I was able to grow from that circumstance, from that situation in a way that I can't help but look back at it and be grateful for it at the same exact time. And that's how we progress in life and get past regrets is by becoming something so amazing that we are grateful for those difficult circumstances, right? We're grateful for those experiences because it made us who we are today. Amen. Wow, that's a powerful story, man. My kids were one and three when I started to go through my separation and divorce. And it took me the longest time to be able to come to a place where I took ownership and responsibility. And all the time that I avoided doing that added to my pain, to my kids' pain, even to my ex-wife's pain. So I, I totally understand this. And we live in a time where 50% of all marriages end up in divorce. And two-thirds of those marriage, uh, of those divorces, excuse me, are initiated by women. Two thirds. You think about that. That's crazy. Right. And why is that? Well, there's a lot of reasons for that. One of them is that we live in a time where staying together isn't valued the way that it used to be. You know, families used to have a whole community, a whole society that would try to have you stay together. Today, people are trying to rip families apart. You know, my, my ex wife had some friends who, quite frankly, they weren't really her friends. They were just jealous and when they saw there was a problem in the marriage, they just got in there and they started to work on her and had her not want to be married anymore. And if you think about that, listen, she's in a relationship with a man. She's married to him. He's a good man. I've met him, you know, and God bless her. But she hasn't come out and said this to me. But I'm sure that if she could go back and do it all over again, she wouldn't want to have the divorce happen. I sure as heck wouldn't want to have the divorce happen. And like you, I've got a fabulous new woman in my life. But, 
you know, divorce has costs, huge costs. And the costs are horrible for men. The costs are horrible for women. They're horrible for families. Period, full stop, end of story. Anyone who says otherwise is fooling themselves or lying. Yeah, totally. When I think at the root of it, and it, and I think it's at the root of a lot of forms of victimhood, right? And it, and, it, and it raises its head in many different facets in society. But it's this idea that it's the expectation that we put on things. It's it's and and the expectation is wrong. In fact, when we have, you know, good friends of ours and their kids are getting married, almost every single time I write a note to the married couple, it's usually the same message. And the message is this is going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult, but it will be one of the best things you will ever do in your entire life. And we have a tendency to think that those things are separate from each other. That like, oh, Nikki, I mean, if it's really great, then it must be easy. It needs to be easy for it to be great. No, that's not how life works. What areas of our life creates greatness through no friction? Nothing. Not a thing. Complacency does, right? Ease and, and a life of regret maybe, right? But growth is a result of difficult circumstances. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that like we should all seek a miserable marriage, you know, no, so no, we can rise up and, and, and become better, but it's naturally going to be difficult. So set that expectation now, understand that it's going to be difficult, but it's going to be worth it and stay committed to it. And, and that shows up in all areas, right? Whether it's working out at the gym and learning a new skill set, you know, going to university or whatever, right? They, there's a price to growth and the price must be paid. Amen, brother. Amen. You know, for me, uh, one of the things that I got out of listening to the Order of Man podcast, and I, I got to tell you, I really like the conversations Ryan has with people, but I like, I like the Ask Me Anything episodes that you and him do together because you bring up questions from real men that are dealing with real issues and you you two have a banter going back and forth where you delve into some of those issues deeply and you challenge each other. And I really learned from listening to you challenge each other in that, you know, friendly yet respectful way that you do. And one of the things that I think men lack today is they lack that band of brothers. They lack that group that they can go be a part of that, that set of men that can pull them out at, you know, 3 a.m. from, uh, you know, a Mexican jail or an Iranian jail. That's where I'm from. You know what I mean? And, and it'll be there no matter what. Who would you go into battle with? Those are some important questions for men to be able to ask themselves. Totally. Totally. And, and one of the things, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you know, part of the order of man is the iron council and the, the top reason statistically why guys join the iron council is for increased accountability. That makes sense. However, people struggle with it because we don't know, once again, the perspective, right? The expectation, what does accountability look like? Right? Are you willing to suck up your ego and have a brother tell correct you? Right? Are you willing to be held accountable? Right? And these are areas that that so many guys struggle with because they know they want to become better, right? But they think that they can still like be out of integrity a little bit. 
as long as they have a good enough excuse. And, and one of the things that I, I try to strive guys is like one, you know, and, and there's a whole conversation around how do we drive integrity and how do we make sure that we have an established relationship with someone before we correct them? And you know what I mean? There's those, those kind of conversations. But the point is, is you have to be real with yourself. You can't be justifying action. Yeah. You need to honor your word. And, and you need to be in that space of mind for to have a brother willing to hold you to integrity, if that makes sense. It totally does. So, you know, in, inside, so there's one thing inside our men's organizations, right, that we say is we don't call men guys. We call men men. Like guys is almost like a pejorative term that puts, puts men down. Now, there's some, there's some males who are guys. But we call men men. You know what I mean? I think that's an honorific, and it's 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 a term of honor. And then, secondly, we say to men, we're pretty absolute about it. Yeah, I keep your word. Yeah, I keep your freaking word. And if you don't keep your word, you're weakening yourself out there in the world. You're weakening yourself in your own eyes. You're weakening yourself in the eyes of other people. Why are you weakening yourself in your own eyes? This is one thing I teach my CEO clients and my CEO groups, right? Like when you say to yourself, I'm going to get up at six and you don't get up till 610, you just lost a little bit of trust and faith with yourself because you won't believe your own word to yourself anymore. You go, oh yeah, I, you know, maybe I'll do it. Maybe I won't. So if then your next set of promises to yourself includes something like, I'm going to triple my business this year, you don't believe you're going to do it because you're not a man whose word can be counted upon, even to yourself, especially to yourself. So it's super important for you to make your word law in the universe. So if you're going to say you're going to do something, make sure it gets done, right? Because if you don't do that, then you're an idiot. You're an idiot. You're, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Totally, totally. And and it's funny is you can't – and I use this analogy um, – and, and I don't know if I should probably come up with my own analogy instead of like referencing Harry Potter, <laughs> Harry Potter, no, Harry but, Potter's uh, good. for you nerds. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, some guys are like, what the crap? This guy's referencing Harry Potter. But, but if you remember Voldemort, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. when he kills someone, it rips his soul. And, and this is what I think happens. So, so Nikki, if, if, if I do something that's out of integrity, one of two things has to happen. I have to correct it and come clean or I have to justify it. And that's the only way I can live with that. And, and, and when I justify it, usually it comes with blaming someone else. So, and this may sound extreme, but I'm going to purposely use an extreme example. Oh, well, you know, a guy may say, oh, I look at pornography. Why? And, and, and let's assume that he, his centers is telling him he shouldn't. Well, it's because my wife, right? We're not intimate enough. So I have to justify it, which means that I have to continue to blame her. I have to hold on to that blame and that story as long as I'm out of integrity. And that affects my relationship with someone else. Why? Because I'm not taking ownership over something. It's her fault I'm not doing it. And, and, it's, and it, it even use a lighter version. I have a two-year-old right now. Yeah. You think through that gap really quick. I have kids in college and I have a two-year-old, That's crazy, but bro. <laughs> I have a two-year-old now. When, when he cries at night, guess what my mind says, get your ass out of bed and go take care of him. 
If I don't, the next story is what? Justification. Well, yeah, but I got to get up at I got to get up at five thirty because I'm going to work out, and and my wife doesn't have to get up until six thirty, so she should. But I have to justify it because I didn't act on what I know I should have done, and so. When guys don't honor their words it's in, and have integrity, it's usually dismantling and disrupting a relationship at the same time. It's blaming someone else for something and it's not taking ownership of the circumstance. And we'll continue to hold on to that story until we get aligned with the idea that we're out of integrity. Yeah, it's so true, man. It's so true. And the problem today is that for most men, their word is total crap, total crap, okay? They don't even know it's crap. And my vision for for men is first to help them see their word is crap, you know, because my word's been crap. And then take it from crap to mediocre to decent to excellent. If you can go up that ladder, up that continuum, and get yourself to your word being excellent, there's nothing you can't accomplish. Not a thing. Because people will not even know you. But when you walk down the street, they're going to feel an energy from you, an uncommon energy, almost the energy like a Navy SEAL gives off. Because those men, they are men whose word is good. You can count on them. And that's what I'm looking to help cause for men, myself, men that are under my care and the programs that I run and, and, and men in general, men, men got to get how important this is. And the sooner they get it, the better off they're going to be. Totally. And, and I do think it's important to know it. Are we perfect? No, right. We're, we're going to make mistakes. I mean, I make mistakes all the time. The, the key is when we do that, we restore our integrity that we get complete with that relationship where we may have done someone wrong, that we actually fix the uh, situation and we own it. And then we actually commit to, to having integrity moving forward. And it's, it's, and it's not a, you have integrity or you don't. Well, once you have it, you have it. It's you constantly fighting for it. Right. And you're constantly having to restore your integrity. And, and, and back to one of the things that you're saying is like in, you know, society, right? No one holds each other accountable, right? It's like, Nikki, if I come with you, it's like, if I have a good enough excuse, then, then we all buy into it, right? It's like, oh, well, he has a good reason. So, you know, not important. Right. And, and one of the, one of my favorite um, sayings that I like to use a lot is, and it's a little bit of a play on words, but like reasons are society's acceptable excuses for you living a mediocre life. Amen. If I have a good enough reason, then it's okay for me to be mediocre. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. I interviewed a, an Olympic gold medalist, Mark McCoy. He's actually a good friend of mine. Uh, he won the 1992 Olympic gold medal for the 110-meter high hurdles race. And he... He told me during that interview, you can you can have reasons or you can have results, but you can't have both. You know, and I thought that was powerful. That was powerful. No, it's it, it's really important. Now, this thing that you talked about of men not holding each other accountable, inside our men's group, we call that a gentleman's agreement. A gentleman's agreement something like this. Let's be gentlemen. I won't call you on your BS if you don't call me on my BS. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? So I won't call you out when you mess up if you don't call me out when I mess up. And that's rife in our society. That's rife in organizations. That, that's rife in relationships that men have with each other, you know, like in a men's group. So we had a, what we call a guest event the other night. We used to do them outdoors around the fire, but now with, you know, lockdowns in the province of Ontario, the People's Republic of Ontario, we can't do that. So it's all being done over Zoom. We had a, a few men who were set up to kind of have this guest night and run it, right? They were in charge. One of the men told the other men, this is not a high priority for me. I'm just going to, you know, do whatever I can. Basically, like, you know, politely telling him to screw off, right? Yeah. <laughs> they didn't call him out on it. They didn't tell any of the other men, including myself, that this is what was going on. When I found out, I lost it. I blew my stack. I said, what are you talking about? How could you let him get away with that? How could that be okay with you? That you knew that an event, and we have a standard that you're impeccable, that you give your best. Those are two of our standards, Right. And you're unwilling to call a man out on this. Unacceptable. And they started making all kinds of excuses. And, and for me, that was just like not cool. Totally not cool. You know, one of the things that I think men need to do is they need to start being around other men who hold them accountable. Other men who are willing to be held accountable by them. I think that's what the Iron Council does, right? Yeah. No, totally. And and what it, I... I love your your story and your example because I've I've done this before. So we have battle teams, and I and I remember this is years ago, and I became a new team lead within the Iron Council, and we were talking about what does accountability look like, right? And honoring our word, and I remember going to my team and saying, "Here's the commitments. Everyone is on every single call every single week. Period. No excuse." no reason, no nothing. Are you going to be on the call? And I remember a guy going, well, you know, I'll do my best. And I'm like, no, you're going to be on the call. You're not. Yeah, but I got this and I got this. And you know what I mean? I got these excuses and reasons that I have in my bag here. And, and I might want to pull one of them out and use it. And, and what I call that is it's, it's how we show up. That's who you are being. What kind of man are you being right now? One that carries reasons and excuses with him just in case the going gets rough or someone that says I'm in and you can hundred percent count on me. Now, like I said earlier, do we make mistakes? Sure. Right. If, if he gets in a car wreck, is he going to be on the call? Right. If he's injured, of course he's not. But then I still expect him to own it and say, guys, I gave my word. I wasn't on the call. No excuses on my part. I'm recommitting to the team that I'll be in every call moving forward. And that's the difference of how we show up. And if we're showing up in a way that we're already carrying reasons and excuses with us, man, talk about a very disempowering way to show up in life. No, that's so true. That's so true. It's very important for men to show up ready to take ownership and responsibility. You know, Jocko Willink, who I, I, I believe has been a guest on uh, the Order of Man podcast a couple of times, he wrote that book, Extreme Ownership. And I really love the title and I love the concept of extreme ownership because what it basically says is that you're going to take 100% ownership for all your life, even the things that reasonable people wouldn't normally expect you to take ownership for, Right. That's, AKA the extreme part. Yeah. Yeah. The extreme part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well said. 
Well said. So what are your thoughts around the whole concept of men practicing extreme ownership? Dude, I, I, we're, I'm huge about it. So where we work, where I work now um, at the consulting firm that I work for, uh, this is at the center of what we do. We expect everyone to take extreme ownership. Now, if you don't mind me sharing like a, a an example of this, because I, I think at, at first glance, and I've heard this before, right? It's like, oh, take extreme ownership. And, and without you reading the book or even actually even after reading the book, I think it's very – it's easy to see the areas where you should take extreme ownership. And then there's like this gray underlining area, right, that it's like a little bit harder to connect to. And, and I would like to illustrate how pivotal and critical it is that we identify that gray space. So, for instance, and I, and I use this example with uh, typically in relationships with parents. Because most of us, whether we like it or not, probably have broken relationships with our mom and our dads. There's some form of like incomplete. And a lot of it comes <laughs> from the space of we're living lives out of integrity and we've been blaming mom and dad for our upbringing for the last 30 years. And I have to continue to blame them for my state of being because otherwise it's my fault, right? And, we, and a lot of people don't want to address that. But let's, let's assume that I have an, I'm incomplete in my relationship with my father, that I want to fix that relationship with him. And, and, and I've had this conversation with men that have had a broken relationship with a father that abused them, that was sexually abusive to them, that all kinds of scenarios, right? And, and dad's on his deathbed and they want to get complete, right? They need to, they need to communicate to dad, right? They, they got to get this off their chest. And, and most people listening right now, they think what they need to get off their chest is telling them how upset they are about how horrible their parent was to them and how it hurt them and, and AKA their story about them and their perception about them. And then they actually think they'll feel better. And the reality is you're not going to feel better because you're perpetuating the same thing you've been doing your entire life, blaming someone else. And your hope is that if I go bitch and moan to my, sorry if I'm cursing Nikki, if I go complain to my father about how horrible the dad he was, that he's gonna say, you know what, I'm sorry son, and then I'm gonna magically feel better. No, no, no. You want to take extreme ownership? Own the emotional meaning you've created. There's a big difference between what, in this example, what your father did and what you made it mean. Massive difference. So for me, my father was very much disconnected during me growing up. I never remember, and I don't say this out of hate, but I'm just setting this precedence because I love my father. Absolutely. Of course you do. Never, never, never saw me play basketball. Never saw me play any sport all growing up. Never came to any of my games. This is my story, right? Never did anything fun. Never spent time with me. We moved away. Like I have this meaning or had this meaning. The meaning was that these actions that he took or the lack of action on his part meant he didn't love me. And because of that, I withdrew myself from him. I blamed him. I want to get complete with my relationship with my father. Guess what the conversation should be? 
not the story, not by perception. It would, it should be restoring my integrity. Dad, I'm sorry. I should be apologizing. I've been withholding love and affection to you because when you did these things, I made it mean this. I added the meaning that you didn't love me. I created that. And I am so sorry. Please forgive me for that. That's the conversation that should be had. That's what extreme ownership looks like in that gray space that some people really struggle with finding. You know, brother, a lot of what you're sharing and revealing to us is stuff that I've heard before, but you're saying it very powerfully. Like I studied um, some courses at Landmark Worldwide. I don't know if you're familiar with the Landmark Forum or any of those types of programs, but they really get deep into what happened and the meaning that we give it. And it's, it's in the distinction between those two that all human suffering pretty much happens. Totally in, in the meaning, you know, and, and don't, once again, don't make me, don't get me wrong. Right. Like certain actions by individuals, I'm not saying they're right, but, but like Jocko talks about in extreme ownership, there's growth only in the area where you're willing to take responsibility. If I don't take ownership over something, my part in it, then I'm not even open to change. I'm not even open to what I could have improved better. And, and that was kind of a catalyst, you know, back to my divorce, that was kind of the catalyst, right? To my changes, like, okay, if I'm gonna own the fact that, that my marriage failed because of me, then that also means that I have the power to become the individual to ensure that this doesn't happen again. 100%, man, 100%. So beautifully put, honestly, Kip. You know, in, in today's world, if more people, not just more men, if more, more men and women took more ownership and more belief in that life was in their hands and it wasn't happening to them, it was happening for them and they were the creator of life, the world would be a far greater place. Without a doubt. Yeah, it's brilliant, man. It's, it's absolutely brilliant. So, so, Kip, tell us a little bit more about the Iron Council, man how it all works, how people can find out about it, how men can participate, how women listening to the show can tell their men about it. Give it to us. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So you can learn more about the Iron Council by going to orderofman.com slash Iron Council and, and, and really think about it. You know, and I, I just can't think of a better analogy. It's, it's the difference of watching the game from the bleachers versus getting on the court. And so our expectation is that the men get out of the bleachers in life Stop using excuses and reasons for not showing up a certain way uh, in their relationships. And if they're committed to actually doing the necessary work, then we welcome them. And, and I'll, I'll tell you right now, guys that try to join the Iron Council that are thinking that they're going to get change without work, they'll quit because they can't deal. They won't be able to deal with it. And, and that's good. Because they need to, you know, get need they need to get slapped upside the head, <laughs> right? Because nothing happens right without the necessary work. And so, it, they, once guys join the Iron Council, uh, there's an onboarding process, and they'll join a team of men. We'll call them battle teams. Those are your 
your smaller version of a band of brothers uh, in the in the overall encompassing movement of of what is the of the Iron Council. Um, another thing to consider too is within the IC, uh, we we work on goal setting. Uh, really, from a, a from a twelve week perspective, anyone that uh, has ever read the the twelve week year, great book around goal setting, and we kind of follow that model in the sense of we 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 chunk goals and we have objectives and tactics that focus in a twelve week period, and that and to be really clear, that's your outward expression of what you want to be held accountable to, right? Is your battle plan? This is me expressing to my team. This is what I'm working on. Right. And these are this is what I hope to accomplish. This is what I'm going to do on a daily basis to level up and hopefully guys hold each other accountable in a way, not because, Nikki, I'm going to razz you because, oh, you know, hey, Nikki, did you get to the gym today? It's not about the gym. It's about the man that you're showing up as. It's about honoring your word. It's about how you show up at home. And back to your intro and in, in our initial conversation, the stakes are high. They are so high. And we have to level up in a very serious way. And we expect guys to take that very serious. And, and, and another avenue, if you guys are interested, is you know maybe you're, I don't know, curious about the battle plan process or, or whatever, you can actually also go to orderman.com slash battle ready. And it's a, it's a program where we'll actually walk you, it's a free program that will actually walk you through that battle plan process. So that's another resource that's available to you to kind of get a, a pulse of what that might potentially look like within the Iron Council. I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it. I actually purchased the uh, the battle planner. Um, I'm planning on using it. The I, I've battle been planner app. Yeah, uh, I, I've got the actual battle planner, not the app. So, <laughs> oh, the the paper version. The paper yeah, we version, have a couple. Yeah, yeah we have to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Got it. So, um, I I actually have uh, a number of other goal setting methodologies that I'm using, but I'm very interested in, in using the battle planner, and it's really cool that you've created a battle planner app uh, as well. Um, I think that's super califragilistic, man. I think that's absolutely fantastic that you're doing that, man. Like, uh, honestly, it's, it's, it's super great. It really, really, really is super, super great that you're doing this. Uh, the world needs more groups like the Iron Council. It needs more order of man's. I, I said this to Ryan. I said, look, man, if there were, if there were 10,000 men doing what you do as big as you did it, we'd still barely be barely scratching the surface. And I, remember when I had that conversation with him, he said, well, you know, um, more men should do this. And, and I said, I'm thinking I should like step up and do more for men. And he said, you totally should. And I said, well, I want to come and, you know, be a part of a group too, because I've always been the guy who runs the groups. You know what I mean? And I think that's good to run the groups, but it's also important to be a man in a group and not run it. <laughs> you know, I think every man needs to have that needs to have a place where he can go and, and be examined and not just be the examiner. So for me, I think what you're doing is super, super important. I'm excited to be uh, a part of this. I'm excited to have you here on the show. And I'm excited to have you and I's conversation be part of what helps make the Order of Man movement grow, brother. So thank you so much for coming here today on the show. It's an honor. Thank you, Nikki. 
appreciate it. Yeah, you bet, man. You bet. So we're going to put all the information about Order of Man, Iron Council in the show notes. So the, the website is orderofman.com, correct? It's that simple. They just go there and they can they can find all the information out about that. And there's also the Order of Man podcast, which is a spectacular podcast. That podcast you can access on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all the usual places where podcasts can be found. So I highly recommend you check out the podcast. I'm a huge fan. I've been a guest on the show, and, and now both Ryan and Kip have been a guest on mine. I'm, I'm tickled pink about that. But there are some really, really cool guests that are on that show. You know, Ryan and Kip ha- have a weekly show where they talk with one another, and they basically go over the questions that are put forward by other men. It's really worth listening to that one. But there, Ryan also brings in some really terrific guests. He's brought in people like Randall awesome. Wallace, yeah. who you know wrote Braveheart. He's brought in people like Jack Carr. He's one of my favorite writers. I'm, I'm a big thriller uh, novel fan. I, I kind of I read his new book in two days, man. I just picked it up. I couldn't put it down. It was awesome. <laughs> you know, um, and he's brought on people like Jocko Willink, David Goggins, uh, you know, you name it. There've been some terrific, incredible a players. People. Yeah. yeah, yeah, really, really, eight yeah. players, and and some of them are super well known people. Uh, some of them aren't as well known, but they do really cool things. Like that gentleman this uh, this week, who's um, the boat builder. I thought that was cool. I'd never heard of that guy before, but I I really am excited to listen to that podcast and learn about boat building. I think that's a really cool skill to have. So. Uh, totally. Well, and it's funny, like when I first got connected with Ryan back in the day, like I swear the Order of Man podcast was was my was my insight to books I need to read. Right. Like there's there's guys I didn't even know about, like, you know, Jim Quick, for instance, and oh, yeah, yeah. Bob Billu, like or like all these Tom guys. Billu. I'm like, yeah, oh yeah, my they're, gosh, they're, I never yeah, Tom Billio. How do I even I, I didn't even know about him? You're right, if they weren't guests on the Order of Man podcast. And so yeah, it's he Ryan does an amazing job on those interviews and, and the, and the kind of guys that he's getting on the podcast are just stellar. They are, they are absolutely unbelievable. Honestly, I'm a huge fan of the podcast. I love the conversations. There's a few of them. I'd like to have conversations with myself, like Randall Wallace, man. I mean, I'm a Braveheart is like Braveheart and Rocky are my two favorite movies of all time, dude. So I got to find a way to get that man to be on my show. You know, I, I I hear he's a, He's a man who doesn't often go out and do these types of shows. So, you know, I, it may take me a while to get him, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to get him. And uh, got, a, guy, yeah. a guy like Jack Carr, I just I just want to talk to Jack because I like Jack. And I've uh, I, I've interviewed a fella uh, who's a little bit like Jack. I think you you um, you and Ryan want to get to know him a little more. His name is uh, Jeff Hopp. He writes under G. Michael Hopp. You know that poem, Hard Times Create Strong Men? Uh, strong, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he wrote that poem. This is the guy who actually wrote the oh, poem. Really? You know, and oh, I, I've been telling Ryan, yeah. you got to get this guy to show, man. You got the hard times guy should yeah. be on the order of man. So <laughs> yeah, we probably referenced that thing like hundreds of times. That's what yeah, I'm we should probably I, 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 like on social media, <laughs> on social media, because I'm friends with Jeff. I go, hey, Ryan, meet the guy who wrote the poem. <laughs> I'm like, you know, like that's awesome. And Ryan said, hey, man, that's cool. Nice to meet you and all that. But I say, man, and I've told Jeff, I said, dude, you got to go on order of man. It'd, it'd be great. And um, you know, uh, it, it, it's a really, really cool thing, man. What you guys are doing is super cool. Okay. So listen, here's how we end off each show. We ask you as our guest expert for what I call your top three expert action steps. These are your best three pieces of life or business advice for my listener 
to take on in his or her life to make it a better life or a better business. So what do you say? Yeah, I love it. How's this? And I'll, and I'll, and I'll throw this around. I mean, we've talked a little bit or mostly around like kind of more on the personal side. Um, so let me throw in one, three of them. Is that what we said? Yeah, three. All right, three. Here you go. A culture of accountability is at the center of a successful business. And, and, and what that looks like is being able to trust our team members to bring their to work to the table. Every employee should feel a sense of ownership for the results within the organization and will do what it takes to achieve those results. That is accountability, not micromanagement, not looking over the shoulder, none of that BS. It is enablement and them being fully invested in what the organization is doing. That is a, a culture of accountability. The other things I would really drive is like integrity is everything. Without it, nothing is possible. And we have to own not just like the actions that we take, but we got to own our thoughts and we have to own our emotional response and the expectations that we put on things. Only through that can we actually like strive, grow, and ultimately live a life of no regret, which is my like, that's kind of like my life purpose, right? Is to die without regret. And that's not going to be made possible for me without living a life of integrity. That's all I can think of, man. Dude, man. <laughs> else too. Those, two are, those are really, really good. But come on, you got another one in you, man. You got another one in you. You're, you're, uh, you're a big fitness guy. Okay. Come on, give us something about that or something. Here, here you go. I got one. I got one. Yeah. So it, it last, we'll, we'll do a business one. We, one thing that I, and it's just on my mind, right? Because this is something that we're driving forward at my current employment is when we expect something from our employees, when we talk about empowering them, it's commitment to the desired outcome, not their commitment to the task. Life changes. It flows, right? We need to pivot. We need to adjust. We need to enable our employees to do the same thing. And we need to ensure that they're committed to the outcome. So regardless of the bumps that come along, they can adjust and still succeed and, and accomplish the task at hand. It's the results of the outcome of the task, not the steps to the task that we want them committed to. Man, I love it. I love it. These All are right. three very three. powerful expert action steps. So listener, Kip Sorensen is the real deal. He's a thought leader's thought leader. He thinks originally, and he really has taken the time to deeply formulate what he knows and bring it out in a fashion that makes a difference. So make sure that you follow up Go check out what he's got going on uh, at The Order of Man. Make sure that you do that. It's super, super important. All that information is going to be in the show notes. You, know, you can go check it out at thethoughtleaderrevolution.com or on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. Make sure you do that, though. Okay, that's number one. Okay. And secondarily, just do me a favor. If you enjoyed this conversation, okay, would you please share this episode with a friend? Would you please go to iTunes and leave us a review uh, you know, leave us a rating. This is important. That's how we grow the movement, right? We don't charge for the episode. We don't have any sponsors except me. <laughs> you know, I guess I'm the host and the sponsor. So 
What we ask you to do, right, is in payment for receiving great information, us bringing great guests, just share it. Help us spread the word. Help us get this out there to more people. You know, borrowing a line from uh, Ryan Mickler, we're looking to grow this movement for freedom, free expression, and free enterprise. And the only way we can do that is when good men and women like you who are benefiting and enjoying from the show share it with other people. So make sure you do that. And make sure that you go and Check out all the resources that we offer to you at eCircleAcademy.com because we got a ton for you to be able to understand what your expertise is, figure out how you can clarify your message more effectively, figure out how you can leverage that expertise and that message in order to earn yourself a ton more money. You deserve to make at least, you know, 250000 500000 a year. And the only way you're going to do that is if you start figuring out what your expertise is as a way higher level, at a way higher level, and you're very, very clear on who you help, how you help them, what outcomes you help produce for them. That's what's going to help you get to the next level. So take advantage of all the free resources at eCircleAcademy.com. There's a ton there. Go there, navigate the site. It'll take you two minutes to do that. It's really well organized and take advantage of all those things. Okay. Kip Sorensen, my friend, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a real pleasure and an honor to have you here with us. Thank you, brother. You bet, man. You bet. And that wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about today's amazing guest, the one and only Kip Sorensen, go to thethoughtleaderrevolution.com, check out the show notes, or go to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. Go to the show notes over there and to take advantage of all the incredible resources that we have, go to eastcircleacademy.com. And remember that if you love this show, share it with somebody else. Help us spread the message of freedom, free expression, and free enterprise. Until next time, goodbye. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice.